millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 5 of the Cringe Binge podcast. First off, I have to say a massive thank you. Thank you for subscribing, thank you for tuning in and listening and thank you for all of the amazing messages that you have sent me on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere saying how much you're enjoying this podcast. It makes me so happy that you're so happy reminiscing about those teenage years back in the day. Thank you to people who have sent me excerpts from their cringy teen uh, diaries. Oh God, it's just absolute comedy gold and I'm just so happy that it's um, making you all laugh and reminisce about those good old days. Out of all the messages I got, my favourite one by far was from Alison. And I know, Alison, you're listening in the car now with your 14-year-old daughter, Julia. Hi, Julia. And I know you guys listen to the podcast in the car together. And Alison and I went to primary school and secondary school together. And I love, Alison, what a great mum you are listening to this podcast with Julia and teaching her that, you know, those teenage years can be so intense, so dramatic. Everything is, oh, a matter of life and death. And when we look back on it now, only when we move through it and we get older and do what I'm doing and laughing at myself and cringing, going, oh my God, what was I like? But finding the humour in it is so important. So, Alison, you're an amazing mum. And Julia, you're so lucky to have Alison as your mum, teaching you to find the humour in things, to not take life so seriously. And I just, I love the fact, I love even the image of, the thought of the two of you driving around in the car together listening to this podcast and it also reminded me of a cringy story and I don't know Alison now if you tell Julia this one but we would have been about I don't know very young about 11 or 12 and we went to an all-girls school so the only time we got to see boys was during summer camp for that couple of weeks during the summer and Alison and I were bit into this fella called Graham I can still see him and we used to follow him around everywhere and I can still see the two of us in the schoolyard and he was about 20 feet in front of us and he stopped and he bent down to tie his shoelace and as he tied his shoelace part of it broke off and he just continued tying his shoelace, left the shoelace on the ground and off he went. Now I'd say it was about four inches of shoelace. What did we do? Ran straight over to it picked it up and went, oh my God, I can't believe we've got a bit of a shoelace. Went back to Alison's house, took out the scissors, 
cut it in half and kept half each. But I still remember that hysterical feeling in the kitchen with the scissors coming out and touching his shoelace. And we were like, oh my God, I'm so going to marry him. Absolutely priceless. My Also, my memories, Alison, now I have plenty of Barbie and Ken, but Barbie and Ken with no clothes on. And I do remember us humping them together and somebody coming into the room and being like, what are you doing? And us being like, I'm nothing. Oh, great days. Great days. So anyway, as we rock into episode five, I'm going to continue reading from Flabyrinth. This is the one now where we're getting into periods and sex and the birds and bees talk and all that jazz. Oh God, I love all that stuff. So mum has written this entry in my baby book from 1990, age 10 and a half. The school's retired principal told me that I should explain the facts of life to you. I did. You weren't impressed one way or the other. All you said was, that's weird. And were you embarrassed telling me? A few girls in your class have got their period and one girl got hers at eight and a half. Anyway, with the help of a book called Girl Talk, it was quite easy. Well, I'll tell you why it was quite easy, because I could have given the talk myself. I was already fully swatted up on sex once I had first heard about it in the schoolyard. Andrea and I would giggle hysterically in the library as we pluck the My First Dictionary off the shelf, flick through the pages and then search for sex and read it. It said male or female. We highlighted it with a luminous marker to help other kids searching for it in the future. It was Sylvia Hayden, a girl in my class, who was our encyclopedia of sex. She knew it all and we were her keen students. Now don't ask me where she got her endless knowledge. God only knows what sort of misinformation she gave us. Oh, actually, I remember. She had read Jilly Cooper's Riders. That was her Bible. Now no doubt she fleeced it from her mother's bedside cabinet but she would relay all the facts of shagging to us at break time as she sat there like Jesus and all of us, her eager apostles, with eyes and ears wide open. I can't remember her exact teachings, but I'd say it went something like this. Right, so you know a man's willy. You've all seen your brothers. I've seen my dad's. Ew! Anyway, when a man sees a lady and he really likes her, his willy goes all tingly. And you know the way it's normally floppy? Well, loads of blood. Oh, I think it's blood. Maybe it's wee. Anyway, it rushes into it and it fills up so much it goes hard and stiff and sticks up so it looks like a big aubergine sticking out of his body. When this happens, it's called an erection. Go on. So, when a lady fancies a man, her fanny gets all wet. She pisses herself. No! Stuff comes out of her fanny to make it easier for it to slide in. For what to slide in? The man's hard willy. What? The man puts his hard willy into her fanny. That's disgusting. It's not. It's very romantic, actually. There's a special hole for it and everything. (laughs) There is no way I am letting a man stick his aubergine into my special hole. No way. Well, 
I can't wait to get married and do it. It's meant to feel amazing. And after he's stuck it in, he slides it in and out for a few seconds. And that makes the lady scream. In pain? No, in happiness. Then stuff called sperm leaks out of his willy and it goes inside her. And that's what makes a baby. That is sick. Well, thankfully, under the guidance of the Girl Talk book that Mum gave me, I learned exactly how it all works. I read that book inside out as I found the topic of body changes and sex absolutely fascinating. Entry in my baby book, 1991, age 12. Mum has written, You got your first bra, which looks like a sawn-off vest, which we call a vra. Oh, I was absolutely dying to get a bra. All I had developed were two little budding breasts after praying nightly for them and rubbing holy water on my chest to try and speed up the process. At this age, I had a slim body that had started to develop womanly features. My armpits were bare and I had one pube, which I swiftly plucked out with the tweezers because I thought it was gross. My hips expanded overnight and tattooed my body with red stretch marks. I hated them and I thought I looked like I was wearing a belt made out of streaky bacon. Oh, I wanted that brass so bad, but I was too embarrassed to ask mum if it was time for me to get one. Thankfully, the day arrived where she suggested it and I immediately played the too cool for school act saying, God, mum, I'm so not wearing one of those stupid things even though I was already practising for one by folding my vest in half and modelling it in the mirror. I think it's time we got you one. I rolled my eyes and grunted, God, okay, fine then. And off we went to Dunn's stores where mum picked out a training bra for me. This is perfect. It's like half a vest. We'll call it your bra, she said. Again, I rolled my eyes and said, Whatever. As I slinked behind a rail of clothes and grinned eagerly to myself while thinking, Yes, I've got a bra. I am so a woman now. Afterwards, we bumped into Andrea and her mum in the grocery section. While our mums chatted, I winked and nodded eagerly at Andrea and did some subtle charades pointing to my chest, signalling to her that I'd gotten it. She gave me the thumbs up in delight, as she'd already had one for months. We ran off and hid behind the clothes rack so I could show it to her. Mum has written this in my baby book. What does a mother say when her 12-year-old daughter buys herself a baby's bottle on the same day she gets her first bra? Now, don't ask me on this one because I haven't a rashers either. I must have gone into some sort of regressive state. I remember buying the baby's bottle with Andrea that same day and filling them with Diet Coke. Why we did this, I just do not know. My inner child was ready to grow up, but perhaps my inner baby wasn't ready to let go just yet. We must have looked like a right pair of oxymorons walking around the supermarket with those baby bottles and our vras at the age of 12. So, with my vra manifested, my next nightly prayer was for the receivership of my period. Are you there, God? It's me, Jules. I would check my pants every time I went to the bathroom to see if they looked like the Japanese flag yet. I will always remember where I was the day that Aunt Flo visited for the first time and unpacked her red suitcases. 
I woke up feeling sick, but a different kind of sick. I wasn't sure what was wrong with me, but it was my very first time experiencing cramps, I suppose. In school that day, we were doing fitness training for an upcoming 5k charity run. Normally, I'd be bombing along, but I felt so queasy I had to go back inside. I thought I might be getting the runs, so I went to the bathroom and lo and behold, Japan had finally invaded my knickers. I blessed myself and thanked God for answering my period prayers. Then I wondered what I was going to do about my bloody pants. I stuffed wads of toilet paper into the crotch and shuffled into the gym changing rooms, took 20p from my school bag and purchased a sanitary towel from the machine in the bathroom. Ensuring I had locked the door tightly, I unwrapped the pad while humming Whitney Houston's I'm every woman, which was number one at the time, to myself as I placed it in my pants. It felt like having a cotton canoe wedged between my legs and because wings hadn't been invented yet, I was convinced it was going to slip out and land on the floor. So I crushed my thighs tightly together and did the period penguin shuffle back to class, delighted with myself. At the end of each class that day, I stayed in my seat and was the last to leave the classroom, sweating with fear because I was sure I was leaking everywhere. So I had to constantly twist my skirt around and check the back of it to see if there was a big red patch, but there wasn't. I would continue to do this for years every time I had my period in school. There were so many worries that came with a period, like when you'd sneeze and then stay still while you'd figure out whether you should casually run to the bathroom or if you were good to go. And every woman knows the fear of when you have to go digging for your tampon because you can't find the string and then you panic that you've lost it forever and you'll have to go to A&E to get it removed. Mum has written this about me in my baby book. 1992, age 12. Characteristics. You love making lists. Organising picnics, labelling things, notes, e.g. Wake me up at 7am sharp. Have to wash my hair. It's a major grease ball. This is left on Mike's pillow regularly. You are becoming more inquisitive. Up to now, you haven't been interested in anything adults say or do. School is thick, your favourite word. Almost everyone and everything to you is thick. You've started calling Barry a fart, even though you really care a great deal for him. You have your own taste in clothes, which I encourage. You like jeans, lumberjack shirts and brogue type shoes. You have a few spots and your remedy for these is Dettol. You were a bit better at keeping your room tidy now that it's been done up. We have a good relationship and hug each other a lot, but you won't let me go near you in public, although you'll hold Mike's hand. You haven't noticed boys yet, unlike some of your classmates who go to discos and even drink, but they're very much in the minority. I would describe you as a very good-natured and well-balanced person. Because you are so tall, people expect you to act older, but you still have footy, he's number one, and quackers your duck teddy. You're doing well at school. You complain about the weight of your school bag, though, two stone. Your pocket money is two pounds a week and one pound for making the lunches. All in all, you're a good kid. We love you and we're very proud of you. Once I had my period and my vra, I really thought I was winning at life. All I had to do now was turn 13 and then I was a fully-fledged teenager. And that's when I'd be ready to take over the world. Much planning went into my 13th birthday. Mum asked me if I'd like a party. Ugh, parties are thick. They're for babies and babies are thick. I just wanted to be me and Mags. 
I told her. You see, I was still getting over the tragedy of my 11th birthday party. I had it all planned to perfection. I got a bouncing castle and had seven of my best friends over. I had, of course, prepped all the sweets, crisps and drinks and had planned a meticulous schedule for bouncing time, casual chatting and refreshments. All was going great until I discovered that Anne Louise, that stupid bitch, had removed the cling film from one of the bowls on the table and started eating the skips before the allotted time on my party itinerary. Well, I went mental and stormed off in a huff down the garden and sat at the bottom of a tree. Nobody came to get me for ages, I remember. Bastards. Eventually, Mags arrived and told me what I knew myself by now once I'd calmed down, that I was being silly. God, I hate Anne Louise. I knew I shouldn't have invited her. She ruins everything, the thick pig. Mags managed to convince me to come back and join the party as it was now officially refreshment time, so all the food was out on the table. Well, of course, nothing was going to get me back inside quicker than knowing that. So I walked back in as if nothing had happened and hammered into the cocktail sausages while giving Anne Louise the filthies. She was totally being skipped on my next birthday invitation list. <laughs> That'll learn her. I went on about my 13th birthday for months in the run-up to it and somehow managed to convince Mum to grant all my wishes as this was a landmark turning of age. For my birthday present, I wanted the double cassette tape of Now That's What I Call Music 22, a pair of Levi's jeans and a bodysuit. The bodysuit was a mistake though. The one I picked out had black and white stripes. I thought it was amazing until I put it on and realised it didn't have fasteners at the crotch. So every time I had to go to the bathroom, I would have to undress from head to toe. Pain in the hole. I may as well have just put on my swimming tucks. Still though, I looked super cool in my 30 by 32 inch high-waisted Levi's, stripy bodysuit, oversized grey zip-up hoodie and black velvet hairband. In the 90s, this look was totes on fleek. My diva demands for the day included Mags and I being allowed to pitch a tent and camp in the back garden for the night and we'd be allowed to have whatever we desired for dinner. The menu was what would have been my death row meal at the time. In those glorious teenage days when I could eat whatever I wanted and never put on weight. For starters, we had avocado with French dressing. This made me feel really fancy. Avocados were mega fancy back then and not readily available in the shops like they are now. For main course, all I wanted was four star pizza. We had never ever had a takeaway delivered to the house before because mum wouldn't hear of it. The closest we got was microwaved Marks and Spencer's chicken tikka masala while watching Gladiators and Blind Date on a Saturday night. So on this monumental day, because, and only because, it was my 13th birthday, my wish was granted. I phoned to order the large pepperoni pizza and I felt like I was a teenager in an American TV show. I could not have been cooler in that moment. But my hopes were crushed when, after giving the address, I was told they didn't deliver to our area as we were just outside the delivery boundary. <laughs> Where's the boundary end? I asked. Ballyogan Road. But sure, that's only one mile away. I'm sorry, but we don't deliver further than that. 
I did some huffing and puffing and told them we'd meet the delivery driver at the borderline in 40 minutes. So off Mags and I set to burn off all the calories of our impending cold pizza. I remember sitting on the wall waiting and jumping off as soon as we saw the branded moped arrive with our precious pizza. Hardly a home delivery service, but I was desperate and I had a dream to fulfil and in all fairness, we did live right on the edge of the sticks. We opened the box to take a peek and once the smell of the pepperoni and melted cheese caressed our nostrils, we quickened our pace back home to devour it. The table was set for two. Not a chance Barry was getting a look in. Candles were lit and Mum was filming it all on the home video camera, which I have watched back many times and cringed. This is how I know the details. Once the avocado was polished off, we divided the pizza between us while sipping on Aqualibra, a fizzy fruit juice and the closest I was going to get to champagne. For my birthday cake, I insisted on constructing my own, which was a pyramid of sugar-dredged jam donuts. My favourite. I speedily blew out all the candles and got stuck in. How? After the plethora of pizza I had room to pack in more, I don't know. We retired to the tent in the garden to listen to Now 22 on my boombox and rub our overloaded bellies and no doubt talk about periods and the likes. Best birthday ever. Until the torrential rain came and we had to ditch the tent and go back inside. Sure, my back was killing me anyway. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. At 13, when my boobs were properly sprouting, I was obviously in full hormone production mode. Whenever anything saucy was on TV, I would cover Barry's eyes with my hands and jokingly say, Oh, Barry, you can't watch this. It's rude stuff. And he would go mad trying to wrestle my hands away so we could gawp at whatever boldness was on the screen. But I do remember watching the movie Ryan's Daughter on telly. And in one scene, they were getting off with each other in the woods. And it got really raunchy. The most porny thing I'd ever seen anyway. In the heat of their passion, your man ripped open her blouse and exposed her boob. A nipple on the telly. 
Normally we'd laugh our heads off about it, but this time I didn't cover Barry's eyes. This time I felt different. I could feel something throbbing in my nether regions. I'd never felt that before. What does that mean, I wondered. I hadn't discovered masturbation or anything like that at this stage. Maybe I was a late bloomer, but believe me, I made up for it. Soon after that, I started to become bewitched by boys. The only problem being that boys were alien to me. We lived on a remote road and I went to an all-girls school. So being a prime candidate as one of those you-always-want-what-you-can't-have type of people, I became obsessed. Barry went to Blackrock College and when we went to collect him from school, I'd nearly be licking the window trying to get a gawk at the fellas. And the second Barry brought home his school annual with all the class photos in it, I would hijack it and bring it into school so all the girls could drool over it. Most of the girls in school would hang around with bunches of boys they knew from their housing estate. Some of the girls had boyfriends. Sadly, in my gang of girls, we were all in the same boyless boat. I had never even spoken to a boy my age, and even though the thoughts of it terrified me, that's all I wanted to do. I found this letter that I wrote, but never posted, to a problem page in a magazine. Dear Kimberly, we are a group of girls who go to an all-girls school and we are in desperate need of men. We just don't understand it. We know hardly any guys and have nobody to hang around with. Let me just tell you that we are not really ugly and don't have non-existent personalities. Where can we meet guys? There are no cinemas, youth clubs, parks, shops or ideal locations around. Believe me, we've tried everywhere. Yet all the girls we know have groups of guys to hang around with. Please help us, we are in dire straits. From women in need of men. P.S. Please don't go on about how important girl relationships are because we have ours perfected to a fine art. We need men. Oh, Jesus. Imagine I went back and told my 13-year-old self that in 23 years' time I was still going to have the same shagging problem. (sighs) So as I became more self-aware at this age, wanting to attract boys, I started to become more conscious about how I looked. So I started raiding mum's makeup bag. The first thing I experimented with was bronzer. It was called Egypt Wonder. Oh yeah, I want to look like Cleopatra, give me some of that. It came in a little clay pot with a cork lid and inside was the magical copper coloured powder. I didn't know you were supposed to put it on with a brush, so I used the cork lid to rub it all over my cheeks and then looked in the mirror and I saw a sunburnt lobster staring back at me. Mum came in and laughed her head off. You couldn't even tell how red with embarrassment I was because my cheeks were completely copper. I looked like Pikachu after a Zumba class. Mum, being the cool mum that she is, took me to the pharmacy the following day and I got my first foundation. It was a pot of Max Factor makeup cream. It was my new magical friend. Once I applied it, thankfully properly this time, I saw how it evened out my skin tone made me look sallow and covered up the redness in my cheeks, the shadows under my eyes and most importantly my horrible freckles were gone. I was enraptured. I soon realised the more I applied the more of a mask it created. Great! So to complete the look I would smear kiwi lip balm from the body shop on my lips and clear, yes clear, mascara on my lashes and unplucked brows. 
that was all I knew then, I still had a lot to learn. I soon noticed that everyone in school was wearing makeup. It was strictly against the rules, but we didn't care. I had to put my cream uniform shirt into the wash daily because it always had a terracotta collar by 4pm. I later learned why wearing your school scarf all day long was like a handy sort of makeup resistant neck brace. At that stage, schoolwork still didn't interest me. I only liked art and English, oh, and home economics, but only when we were baking. My home ec teacher was a battle axe. She wore more foundation than the entire lot of us put together. Her face looked like the surface and colour of that big Uluru rock in Australia. I bet she'd never even heard of cleanser and just troweled on more every morning. I'll never forget the day the old bitch had the audacity to ask me in class, Are you wearing makeup? To which I replied, A little bit. Miss Carl, makeup is strictly forbidden in this school. Go to the bathroom immediately and wash it off. Mortified, I got up from my seat and went to the bathroom. I looked in the mirror. There was no way I was taking it all off. I'd become so accustomed to my fancy face that I didn't want anyone to remember what I looked like without it. So I decided to just rub a bit of it off with a tissue. I returned to the class and sat back down. She came over to inspect me. I thought I told you to go and wash it all off. I did, I replied. I meant wash it all off with soap, every bit of it. Get back down to that bathroom and this time scrub it all off properly. The stupid cow. I did as I was told. Nearly as bad as having to remove the makeup was using soap on my face. I was so into beauty products at this stage, I was traumatised, foaming up my face with dehydrating cheap soap. My face was red raw and I came back to class with my head down and Mrs Battleaxe had a look of sheer smugness on her face. I wish I could go back now and have the balls to say to her, Fuck off, you stupid old bitch. I'm not taking it off. This makeup makes me look good and feel better about myself. And at least I know how to apply it properly. Look at the state of your pebble dash face. You look like the surface of the feckin' moon with glasses and a wig on. Have you ever even heard of exfoliator? Now, take your pan stick and shove it up your ratchety hole. My foundation is staying on, okay? Oh, that would have felt amazing. Can't wait until they invent an L time machine. Written in my baby book, February 1993, age 13 and a half. Interview. Well, Jules, what do you think of school? Hate having to go to classes, but I like lunch and break times. Do you care about the way you look? Uh, I hate my fringe. I hope it grows out. I hate my greasy hair and I hate having nothing to wear. But you have loads of clothes. <gasps> I've nothing. I have a couple of jumpers, a shirt, my waistcoat, my denim shirt. I have nothing. What would you like? I'd like a nice pair of platform shoes. Uh, but they're only for scrubbers. They are not. Everyone wears them. Right. Tell us what's wrong in your life. Hmm. My fringe, my legs... Chaney Mac, how could I forget Mr Lawler? He butchered me and gave me these braces. I feel like the Terminator. (sighs) 
the fact that I have no money and any money I do get has to be given away on stupid people's birthday presents. Tell us, what do you like? <laughs> Loads of things. McDonald's, Maltesers, clothes, footy, watching the telly, playing basketball, toast, tea and chocolate. What do you want to be when you're older? Mm, I want to be... Oh, I don't know... I'm going to marry someone rich and have loads of money. Is money important to you? Duh, yeah. Then I can buy loads of things I want. Well, what do you really want? Mm, I want a swimming pool, a house in Beverly Hills, a pig and a sheep. Who impresses you most? <laughs> Me! What would you change if you could? <laughs> Easy, I would abolish school. What sort of man do you think you'll marry? Hmm, I'd like to marry a black man. He must be rich so he can fulfil all my needs and I would like three children. Hmm, thank you Julianne for that interview. I want to be paid for that now. As my makeup skills developed throughout the year and I learned to experiment more, thankfully with black mascara now, there was a landmark day for my cosmetics training one day in French class. I even remember where in the room I was sitting when Chloe Brown walked in one morning and she had no makeup on, but she was tanned. I mean, really tanned. Eh, uh, sorry, Chloe, did you get a Concord to Barbados and back overnight? How the hell are you so brown? I couldn't understand it. It's fake tan, she said smugly. Fake tan? Yeah, it's my mom's. It's fishy. It's like a cream and you just put it on your face at night and then you wake up in the morning and you're tanned and it lasts for like a week. Sorry, what? I exclaimed. Yeah, it's like £15 though. It's tray expensive. <laughs> it's cheaper than a flippin' holiday, I told her. She warned me though. The only thing is, it smells a bit weird, like. It's kind of like nachos mixed with treacle, so that's like a bit gross. Well, I wouldn't care if it smelt like a rancid wolf shit. If I can wake up and look like I've been on holidays for six weeks while just lying in my bed, then I would endure any sort of toxic pong. Where can I buy it? I desperately inquired. Ooh, like, in like any pharmacy. Well, when mum picked me up from school that day, I told her we were going straight to Stillorgan Shopping Centre and I was getting an early birthday present. I had never known such a magical product existed. That evening, I squirted it out of the tube onto my fingertips. It was a white cream. I wasn't expecting that, so I double-checked the label. Yep, I bought the right one. So I trusted that if it worked for Chloe, it would work for me. I smeared it all over my face and neck. It stank. Chloe was right. Nachos covered in treacle. Cheesy nachos. I didn't care. I went to bed, lying flat on my back like a corpse and hoping I wouldn't roll over in the middle of the night and wake up looking like Two-Face from Batman. I woke up the following morning forgetting I had the fake tan on and wondering what the awful whiff was. I figured I must have just released a lethal fart that had been trapped under the duvet. Bleary-eyed, I got out of the bed and went to brush my teeth. When I looked in the mirror, all I saw staring back at me was two white eyeballs and white teeth. I had transformed into Cleopatra overnight. 
Praise be to the sun gods. I jumped into the shower and reluctantly washed my face, thinking it was all going to disappear down the drain. When I looked in the mirror again, I was still brown. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me, I thought. I strolled into school with a Rastafarian-style spring in my step and in the corridor I met 30 more Oompa Loompas, all just as ecstatic as me. <laughs> Let's see Mrs Battleaxe try and get us to wash this off our faces. Ha! Suck on that, biatch! Well, that's it for episode five. I hope you enjoyed it and thank you so much for listening and subscribing. If this podcast is making you nostalgic and making you think about your teenage diaries and you've rooted them out of an old drawer or wardrobe or something like that, then I would love to hear from you. You can do it publicly or anonymously, but in future episodes, I'll be reading your teenage diaries on the podcast. All the details are up on my website. Just go to cringebingepodcast.com. I'm Jules Call, and this podcast is brought to you by ACAST. Hey Mel, Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey Mikey, if you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.